0: Thank you so much for listening to lady bits i just wanted to introduce this episode um we do have a small disclaimer in the beginning just talking about um why we do refer to certain um activists and models as fat um and how that we are trying to help to remove the stigma of that word um so i'm gonna let it go into the disclaimer but i just wanted to let y'all know and i hope you enjoy listening thanks
1: when we say fat body, I don't want someone to think because for so long calling someone fat was, like, an was an insult. Um, Fat is not inherently negative. Right. You can turn it into a negative thing if that's what your purpose behind it is, but for myself, a goal that I've had is to stop associating fat with negative. Right. right? So, a fat body, not negative. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I don't want, because Lizzo herself calls herself calls herself fat. Yeah. I don't want people to think that we're calling her fat in a negative
0: right. way. But yeah. Like, no, many fat influencers say, stop calling me overweight, stop you saying you're not you mean- fat, you're not fat, because they know yeah. that they are fat, and fat's not a bad thing. Right. It's okay. a body type, just like any else. And if we're
1: going to hierarchy body types, then we're never going to break out of yeah. things if we normalize bodies
0: we we do break chains you know yes bodies should be on a horizontal stratification instead of a vertical stratification so if you stratify bodies from like thin at the top and fat at the bottom that's where all the problems lie right if we stratify bodies on a horizontal plane of like these are all types of bodies they're they're equal yeah um that's the way that we should try to change our thinking to think like which takes practice, like, constant practice. <laughs> and takes knowing, knowing, yeah, quote-unquote, knowing people, or seeing people, or being friends with people right, that have different experiences than you. Hey, y'all, welcome back. My name's Marissa. I'm Maddie. And welcome to season two of Lady Bits! Woo! Yay! Okay, so, I wanted to give a brief recap of what um Lady Bits is all about. So Lady Vits is a podcast about sex, health, and everything else. So we're honestly just gonna be going over all kinds of different topics this semester. Um if you come into the women's center we can give you a little flyer and you can see what we're we're working on. But um we're really excited about season two. And getting everything ready. And I'm really excited to welcome Maddie onto Lady Bits. Thank you. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure.
1: Um, my name's Maddie. I'm a senior psychology major. I've been working at the Women's Center for, well, this is my second year now. Um, and I'm really excited to be on the podcast because I'm a big fan of it. Um, and I'm also just excited to talk about all the things that come along with. This whole experience of being a lady, yeah, <laughs> or being anything in the world. Um, and so I think that what we're going to talk about is really interesting and also really important. Um, and I think that not enough conversations about these issues because they're a little messy, um, mm-hmm. happen. So I'm really excited,
0: yeah, definitely. So we're really excited about this episode because it's something that, um, I think both of us have had a pretty intimate. Um, relationship with over the years. Um, So, today, our episode is called Lizzo and Lemon Water, Examining Diet and Wellness Culture. So, um, I think it's probably good to start with the definition of diet culture. So, um, Christy Harrison, a registered dietitian and master of public health, defines diet culture as a system of beliefs that worships thinness and equates it to health and moral virtue. Which, makes you, which means you can spend your whole life thinking you're irreparably broken just because you don't look like the impossibly thin ideal. Promotes weight loss as a means of attaining higher status, which means you feel compelled to spend a massive amount of time, energy, and money trying to shrink your body, even though the research is very clear that almost no one can sustain intentional weight loss for more than a few years. It demonizes certain ways of eating while elevating others, which means you're forced to be hypervigilant about your eating, ashamed of making certain food choices, and distracted from your pleasure, your purpose, and your power. It oppresses people who don't match up with its supposed picture of health, which disproportionately harms women, femmes, trans folks, people in larger bodies, people of color, and people with disabilities, damaging both their mental and physical health. So I think that definition is like super comprehensive yeah. and I really like it because so much of it has to do with um, like the thin ideal. Yeah. Um, I think even in our culture now we experience the like fitness culture ideal of like the big booty and the, like teeny 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 waist. Yeah. Um, and that's just a type of body type that's come into fashion, essentially. Just, like, we have we have trends in fashion, we have trends in body types.
1: Right, because, like, in the 80s, the trend in fitness was to be very thin, and mm-hmm. you had exercises that were aerobic-based. Like, my mind just flashes back to, like, the Jane Fonda yeah. <laughs> aerobic exercises. Yeah. And so, like, that was it, and that was fitness. But now yeah. fitness is a trend of, like making your booty big and yeah. slimming your waist. So what do you do? You're now your fitness is involving weightlifting and crunches
0: and whatever. Yeah. And I want to say before we like get more into this, that if you're really into fitness, like that's great. Right. Like we don't want to put down anyone's, um, love in life. Right. Like you can tell a lot of the fitness influencers absolutely love what they do. They yeah. love working out. They love you know, doing that. And I don't want to demonize any body types either. Like, if you are extremely fit and strong and you have that big booty in the small waist, like, I once had that too when I was, like, working out for an hour and a half every day. Like, things like that are not bad. Right. It's not bad for you to have a certain body type or to really enjoy health and fitness. It's bad when you, imp- like, it's bad when you try to make other people do what you do.
1: Right. I think anything that inherently promotes happiness and health and fitness can be one of those things is inherently good. When it becomes so that you can try and fulfill, you know, one of these certain things that we've talked about with um, the definition of diet culture, like fulfilling an ideal or making a means to... um, Mitigate your shame about what you've been eating. I think that's when it becomes a problematic
0: behavior Not something that is really fulfilling, right? Definitely Um, So I think each of us have a different way that we've been affected by this definition. Um, I personally um, Have been affected by diet culture as like a teenager with an eating disorder Um, and you know, I'm so affected by diet culture every day. I think that actually, as a public health major, I have a lot of classes that I have to go into that are harping on this obesity epidemic right. or this BMI or weight loss. All of those things are something that I feel very affected by in class every day. Yeah. Um, I had to watch the movie, the documentary Fed Up, which I don't recommend. Um, <laughs> About It's about childhood obesity. And unfortunately, it's extremely triggering for anyone who's gone through um, problems with food because they demonize certain foods. Right. And I was tearing up watching this documentary because these kids are just fully shamed for the way that they look. Right. And people try to say it's out of health, but obesity is affects your health as much as things you cannot change right your gender your family history things like that obesity is not a cause it's a risk factor right and I think a lot of people um especially in the health industry try to promote this idea that like obesity causes this well no obesity is a risk factor just like Anything you can't change. Right.
1: I mean, I think something in psychology that we learn is, like, you have to be very hesitant to say cause because a lot of experiments do not actually prove causality. They prove correlation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, obesity can be correlated with difficulties related to health, right? We know that. It can be correlated to that.
0: Is it the only reason? No. Yes, exactly. Um, Also, I learned from... dietitian who makes YouTube videos. She's very knowledgeable. Her name is Abby Sharp. Um, Something I learned from her recently when she made a video about Weight Weight Watcher's new Curbo app, which is for children. Right, I saw that. Um, She actually made a video and she talked about how studies have proved that weight cycling going up and down and up and down and up and down is actually more detrimental to your health than sitting stagnantly at a higher BMI. Yeah. Um, the amount of stress that your body goes through doing that actually worsens your health. Right. Um, and that's, like, something that diet culture promotes is this weight loss culture, and you cannot extensively lose weight, and you can't keep up a diet forever.
1: Right, I mean, losing any amount of weight is a process for your body to go through, and constantly putting your body through that process, there are other unintended
0: effects besides the weight loss, Mm -hmm. Or the definitely. weight gain, I think yeah. it can go either way. It can go either way, definitely. Um, so that kind of leads into the whole obesity epidemic and things like that. Kind of leads into weight stigma. So the National Eating Disorders Association defines weight stigma as discrimination or stereotyping based on a person's weight. It's the leading risk factor for developing an eating disorder and is is comprima- comprised of shaming, blaming, and concern trolling which happens everywhere, um, at work, at school, um, in your home, at the doctor's office and online. Yeah. Um, people, when fat influencers post a photo, people suddenly become health experts and say that, oh, well you're promoting, you're promoting bad health. Right. I'm promoting bad health by putting a picture of myself on the internet. Right. Which is not the same comment that
1: thinner influencers who post, this is the diet I'm doing, and this is how great, with no background information, health background information, mm-hmm. medical information about how
0: that actually is affecting someone's body, Yeah, they don't get the same comments, you right. know? It's interesting to examine how um, thin people are trusted Right. when it comes to diets or anything like that because they look the way that it's working for you so it must work for everyone or it must be healthy because this is the only idea of health that I have in my mind and there are so many people on this earth that are at a set point weight which is a scientifically proven um theory of the set point theory which is that your body has certain points where it feels most comfortable Right. And it will get back to that point at some point. And
1: I think we can all tell that. Like, I mean, that's why when we diet, we have yo-yo, you know, mm-hmm. where, okay, this is working, but then, you know,
0: I'm naturally going, going back, back or going back down, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and so with your set point, um, there are some people whose set points are just higher. Yeah. And there are people who are going to sit at a more, at a high, potentially higher BMI. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like, there just needs to be more research into how, um, into people that are consistently exercising, eating healthy, but are at a higher BMI, which isn't a proven science. It is a bad, bad science and actually is extremely outdated because simply the ratio of (laughs) body weight to height... It's ridiculous. <laughs> and it takes into account literally nothing.
1: Right, because, like, I think, and this is, like, a good example of male insecurity and how, like, people mm-hmm. who identify in masculine ways can be affected. Um, like, I know from close friends who are male, like, who are muscular, who have high BMIs because they're so muscular. But then it's translated as a negative, you know, because mm-hmm. it's affected by that. But there's no, like... Yeah. There's no adjustment for that. Exactly. It's just one thing. Yeah. But things are rarely one thing, you know?
0: Exactly. So, um, research shows that healthcare providers, when talking to obese patients, tend to provide them with less health information, spend less time with them, and view them as undisciplined, annoying, and noncompliant with treatment. So, I actually saw, my roommate was watching Dr. Pimple Popper on, um hulu the other day and there was a woman on there that had a really rare skin condition that affects your sweat um glands yeah and she was told by doctors that it entirely had to do with her weight and the fact that she was fat Hmm. and she was like i have had this condition since i was eight years old i wasn't fat when i was eight right so there is again the medical field the health field are really promoting these stigmas and these stereotypes, and not providing health information to people just because they're overweight,
1: right? Or be,
0: or they attribute all of their health problems to being overweight, right? To which one is thing. yeah, which is entirely just truly against the Hippocratic Oath, which they take, <laughs> um, which is do no harm, and. Some people have to go to multiple doctors before they can get an actual diagnosis just because they're overweight. Right. Which is
1: unfair. I mean, we wouldn't- the thing about it is if weight is what's causing that, then how come when a more thin person goes to a dermatologist, that's not what's being told to them. If weight is truly the issue, then you have to evaluate it the same for every patient, no matter how they physically appear. Yes. So if we really believed that, then every time you went in, you would be asked, you know, your weight would be assessed in how it's affecting
0: your skin. Right. But that's not true. It's not. Um... So attention is given to weight control. Attention given to weight control has skyrocketed in the recent years, ingraining words like BMI, obesity epidemic, and diet into our no- national vocabulary. Since the rise of national obesity prevention campaigns, the incidence of weight stigma has increased by about 66 percent. The research is clear: overemphasizing weight can encourage disordered eating and have counterproductive effects. Right,
1: which I know you have personal history with.
0: I do. Um, when I was 17, I came out of a really bad, um, family situation in which my stepmom was making me do excessive amounts of exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I got into a more positive environment, I gained a lot of weight. Um, I gained about 15 pounds in probably five months, which is in the opposite direction, not a great sign. Right weight gain of that much in that little time is also a sign of, like, problems like overeating, which is a problem in general. Um, So I went to the doctor for a physical, and um, the doctor came in and asked me point blank, so why have you gained so much weight? Yikes. Yeah. Um, And so that was really damaging for me in a lot of ways um from that point on i did a lot to kind of i was way more conscious about the way that i looked of course um and it did throw me into um patterns of disordered eating so i um kind of identify with two different words um learning more about it i identify with orthorexia which is um, the compulsive need to eat only healthy foods, Mm -hmm. Um, as well as um, I also had binge eating disorder, which is basically where I would eat um, as little as possible or, like, only healthy foods as possible during the day. And when I would get home at night or when I'd be studying, I would binge on Pop-Tarts or chocolate or popcorn or anything like that and then I would feel extremely guilty and I would go exercise at 10 o'clock at night and all these things and um the guilt binge cycle right was extremely damaging to me in general my like personal health um and so I had to get out of that at some point but yeah
1: yeah I mean it logistically like if you're constantly denying yourself something, there is going to come a point where you can't deny it anymore. Right. And then, you know, the overeating is something that makes sense Mm -hmm. given that you've denied yourself this for so long. Right. And then the immediate guilt also makes sense because now you've swung so far the other way, you're feeling super guilty about it. Yeah. And then you have to compensate. And I think that You know, sometimes it doesn't always happen in a manner where we recognize what we're doing, but I think it is important to notice when we have, when we are feeling like we have to compensate for what we're eating, I think that is an important thing to make note of, and if it continues to happen, to talk to someone about it. Right. Someone who's not, you know, someone who you know and trust with that, who's not going to be like oh well you need to lose weight or make the conversation about weight someone who's going to make the conversation about okay well how have you been feeling Mm -hmm. how are you mentally doing yeah how's your self-esteem definitely not just questions about like well do you think you look good because that's important but
0: it's also important like where's your head at you know definitely um I think that going to therapy helped me yeah but also almost even more than that was learning more about all of this. Right. Learning more about diet culture, learning more about intuitive eating, learning more about all of the things that went into this so that I can break out of it. Was yeah. really really important for me personally. Um, and yeah, yeah, weight stigma played a huge role. Doctors, yeah. Enforcing weight stigma on, on me played a huge role. So Yeah, yeah I just think that's very um, pertinent to the subject. Um, Maddie, you have a little bit of an experience with this as well, right? Yeah, I
1: do. Um, this summer, I went to the lady the doctor, which is
0: always fun. Right. <laughs> always so fun. Tune into more Lady Bits episodes for us to tell you how to de-spook the gynecologist. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly, which I really needed that episode before <laughs> I went in, so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but, so, you know, that alone can be intimidating. And then um, I've always had an irregular period since the time I started my period until um, I went on to birth control, I've had an irregular period. And I really just went in with questions about like, is this normal? What information do you have about this? And like, what what are the steps that I need to take? Is there something I can do? And um, she immediately was like, you know, you might have PCOS, blah, blah, blah but what you should do is lose weight. And that was, there was no information about why regular periods can happen. There's no education about anything, about like what can cause your cycle to be irregular, what can cause your cycle to normalize. A lot of that ties into hormones, but that was not the conversation we had. It was just, we'll just lose weight. And there was profoundly what stood out to me was that there was no discussion of how to healthfully lose weight. It was up to me to decide how to lose weight. And for me, you know, we had a conversation outside of the podcast about that. For me, immediately went to negative places and Mm -hmm. places where I'm like, oh, I can lose weight really fast by not eating, which is what I've struggled with in the past.
0: Yeah.
1: And that, you know, that conversation impacted me all summer because it suddenly put the lens on me to only look at myself in the way of weight.
0: Right,
1: And even when I lost weight, and I did, it was because of this very unhealthy reason and not because of this positive reason of like, well, if I lose weight, then maybe my period will regulate itself. But looking back on that, was that the reason? Like, there was no, why do I need to lose weight? Like, there's no explanation. It's just just lose weight.
0: Yeah. And, you know, sometimes... It's just like I don't understand why there is this like non-explanation, right? Like we're talking about in the with the doctors, like spending less time with them and not really looking into their diagnosis. Yeah, um, is just kind of asking them to do the impossible, right? In quotes, is to to lose weight. A lot of people, you know, are suffer from obesity. Not because of their personal choices to eat unhealthily, but more of, like, their income doesn't support eating. Right. Like, it's so much easier to buy the foods that are cheaper and more processed, things like that, when you don't have the money to buy. Right. And, like,
1: this is something that ties into wellness. Is right. that, you know, and I think um, it's a, an important piece of the conversation that's often missing is I would love to eat salmon and broccoli and Brussels sprouts and kale, mm-hmm. and I would love to do all of those things. Financially, do I have the means to eat that way? No.
0: Right.
1: And when we talk about losing weight in that way and when we talk about how wellness and health are only in regards to eating only in regards to your exercise only regards to the way that your body looks that speaks to a huge level of privilege that means that we're saying that people who don't meet those levels of things then they can't be healthy they can't practice wellness and I don't think that's true I don't
0: think it's true either I think that there are many ways to practice you know Being a healthy person, right? That are outside of. I mean, it's great to eat whole foods. Like, it's great to eat, you know, fresh produce, things like that. But we have to recognize that some people just don't have access to it. It,
1: They don't, and not even an income level of,
0: but like where you're located in the world affects those things too. Food deserts, right? right. Things like that. People who only have access to foods that. A convenience store and I also think like when we have co- conversations
1: about wellness on social media platforms we also don't acknowledge that it's okay to be working on it it's okay to not get it right all the time and I will tell you that none of those people who are saying that they're eating perfectly all the time are actually eating perfectly all the time yeah. it's just not possible and that's okay mm-hmm. it's okay like I just the conversation should be a big hug it shouldn't be a shaming correct
0: lecture yeah, definitely you know? definitely um Maddie did you want to get in t- more into wellness culture a little bit
1: yeah so we can talk about wellness culture um there's an interesting article that I sent to Marissa over the summer called smash the wellness industry it's a an opinion piece which is important to point out because you know there's no journalism going into this it's just an opinion piece but it's written by Jessica Knoll and um I just want to point out that it's important to note that wellness is not inherently negative but when it's tied into things like weight and food consumption and it gets into a negative component about that and it becomes restrictive then it becomes negative negative. Um, and wellness isn't just about exercising and eating it's about your mind your mental health your social health your relationships wellness can be very broad yeah. so focusing only on food
0: and exercise Right, it's not the full piece of it. We you know? um, learn about the dimensions of wellness in like our basic health classes, right? Um, to start the public health major, so like knowing those things, but almost still being taught that physical and like health right. health are the big two right. is so damaging. I think,
1: and it's like the only way that we express wellness sometimes is in that way of like, well, I've been eating really healthy or uh, I've been working out a lot.
0: Yeah.
1: But then the parts that are not expressed, the mental component of that or the social component of Mm -hmm. that. I know when I was really into like being hard on myself on what I was eating and working out all the time, close friendships pushed away. Like I pushed
0: away. So my social and my mental health was not that great. Yeah. Um, I can also say that when I... When my mental health and my, like, social health actually took a decline, when I had a really, really bad semester, those things came first, me right. taking care of those things, so I stopped working out. Right. Things like that, I had to fix those by giving up working out. Right. And having to, to make that work better. Yeah. I think also if, you know, sometimes I feel like we put too much priority on those things, like... Like you said, like, when you were really into working out and eating yeah. a certain way, you were pushing away people. I think, yeah. um, sometimes we can push away things that are important to us. Like, for me, school is extremely important to yeah. me. If I am working out just because I want to fix, air quotes, fix my body, yeah, and I'm putting aside schoolwork, that's a problem. Right, and I think, like, you know,
1: going into talking about wellness a lot of the time it takes a lot of time to achieve those things to practice yoga an hour a day that's a lot of time that a lot of people who are working who are students who are mothers fathers don't have that extra time and so getting it in whenever you can is what's more important rather than holding yourself to a standard of presenting a type of lifestyle that looks like wellness but is actually void of anything well (laughs) you know yeah. (laughs) Um, and so that's kind of what her article um, talks about and like I think one of the most interesting parts of the article for me was that many women to women conversations revolve around diet or body Um, so what we're eating or how our bodies have been changing positively or negatively Um, and she points this out that you know it's not so much for men the same case you know men are more likely to engage when they're talking to each other about um, a sports game or something else you know but for us because wellness culture and diet culture centers around the female body primarily it gets into that's all we talk about Um, and I see this not so much in my personal life with my friends but with older women Um, especially like I find that to be like what I overhear like my mom and my aunt talking about Mm -hmm. or my mom and my grandma talking about which is not the only thing we have to talk about (laughs) we have a lot to talk about Um, and then Jessica Knoll in the article kind of traces the adoption from the diet and how the diet industry kind of adopted wellness Um, and so like we see like with fit teas and other protein powders and whatever instant like the vitamins that instagram influencers are always selling like those types of things inherently look like diet culture but have been ado- adopted into wellness right um yeah i think that pretty much sums up that bit of wellness.
0: Yeah. It's almost camouflaged. (laughs) Yeah. It's, like, diet culture camouflaged by this, like, health, wellness kind of thing that um, we find a lot in just what we put on our Instagram feed. Right. Um, And so, kind of speaking of that, we're kind of going to transition into how to reject diet culture in your daily life. Yeah. Um, So we you know came up with about five different ways that we personally do this but um you know I encourage you to find your own ways to what, do works, this, best what works best for you what works <laughs> best for you you know so um our first one is refining your social media feed so unfollowing people who are your typical hashtag body goals yeah. um or make you feel insecure about your body type or your eating habits yeah so Unfollow those people that are just, that you look at and you're like, now I feel shitty. For me, it's like unfollowing people whose
1: body is not at all, unless I went through extreme measures, attainable. Right. You yeah. Know?
0: yeah. Like, like, I personally, I like, for lack of a better phrase, keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah. But I don't follow any of them on social media. Right. Because I know that their bodies are surgically altered. And I don't want to have that in my brain of, like, wow. Because it's inevitable to see someone and say, wow, I wish I looked like her. Right. But you have to try to get rid of that in your own mind. Right. You have to try to be like, no, I like looking like me.
1: And I think that you can find people that emphasize the things that you like about yourself and also find things that you
0: would like to work on. I follow a lot of people on Instagram. Who have similar body types yes, to me. Yes, exactly. That I love. I'm like, wow, sh- I think she looks amazing. Right. And then I'm like, why do you- I not think I look amazing? Right. I look very similar to her. Like,
1: something that Lizzo says, if you can love Lizzo, you can love yourself. And right. And I think that that's not about accepting a fat body. That's about accepting the love that you turn on to
0: others. Turn it back onto yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And... Yeah, I mean, we have this little list yeah. of people that we are interested. In. Lizzo is one of them. Yes, um, of course. You know, that tweet that's going around that's like, I really need to stop being insecure because I can't keep letting Lizzo down. Like, literally, <laughs> literally me. <laughs> Which is so, like, almost so true, and I love having someone like Lizzo, like, so relevant in pop culture right now. Right. Because she does have a fat body, and... It's totally cool. And, and there's nothing negative about that. She celebrates it. She literally never puts herself down. Yeah. Um, which I think a lot of people actually do in our culture, but they we just don't recognize it. Right. But she radically loves herself. And that's just something that I think we all need to try to incorporate, even just a little bit in our lives. And not only is she encouraging
1: of her self-love, but she's also encouraging of every other person. Person's journey to self-love without having to make it a competition, which I think is so uniquely Lizzo and something we haven't seen before. Right, definitely. Um, Another person that we have on the list is Shanae Alexander. Um, She's based out of New York City um, and has personally brought up issues with the wellness industry and as an influencer, has spoken about um, how wealth influences wellness, how geography influences wellness, and I think that that's really cool for an influencer to talk about, to have that right. open, honest discussion about, like, a lot of the things that I do I recognize are not achievable for other people to do, right. because it isn't cohesive with many people's lifestyles, Yeah, um, which is why I
0: included her on this list. Yeah, um, I included a woman named Meg Zazon, and she is really cool because she's actually kind of part of that, like, fitness model culture, um, she still does health and wellness things, but it is not based on changing your body. Right. Um, she also, um, started the hashtag normalize normal bodies and she hashtags that on a lot of her posts where she's sitting down and you can see her belly rolls or where she's taking a picture and you can see her cellulite. Um, things like that is like making sure that things that all, almost all women struggle with are in the like. Glamorized Instagram. Yeah. Um, And so that's something I really love about her. She has a workout program that I actually use that I really like. Um, It's called Hit 30, and it's really easy. You can do it at home. That's awesome. You can do it from anywhere you want, and it's not based on changing your body. It's based on, you know, making you feel stronger. Yeah. And just making you more active. Activity is good for you no matter what. Yeah. Um, I think that. You know, if you enjoy physical activity, any kind, walking around with your friends, you know, um, swimming, uh, chilling in the pool, treading a little water, (laughs) you know, things like that. And if you, like, I personally like to listen to a podcast while I do whatever, or even just walking to school every day is a big thing. Right. Um, And so, I think that... We should try to incorporate movement, but find something you love. Right, don't, like,
1: don't go to, or don't think you have to go to the gym and walk on, or run on the treadmill for 45 minutes to accomplish your goals. Like, no. No, make it fun, make it enjoyable. Like, Take a walk around the block with your friends. And don't make it to a point where you can't sustain it. Keep it as something that you're, like, looking forward to doing. Right. I think that that's the best way to really enjoy movement and exercise yeah um because I'm somebody who struggles with it like I don't naturally like going right and doing stuff like that so I think for for me personally it's only fun if I'm having fun
0: right definitely I think that's honestly pretty universal right don't do something you're not having fun doing like if you hate to exercise whatever. Like, <laughs> like you're going to move your body in some way. You're going to get up and walk in some way Right, okay. exactly. Like, so. do what you need to do. Yeah. Um, so we both follow Iskra, which yes, is, of course. I love her. Um, she's a body positive curve model. Um, she's just fun. She's, yeah, she,
1: I think, is an example also of, like, a fit curvy body. Right. Um, and I like the way that she demonstrates that, like, you don't have to be just one idea of a body type to be fit. Right. Um, and I think that that's really interesting. Yeah. And I like that also she will not let, like, people retouch photos of her to edit out cellulite or to edit out stretch marks. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has had in posts about her own journey with weight fluctuation and unhealthy eating practices. Yeah. So I think that that is also, like, reasons why I love her.
0: Yeah. So, um... Brittany, or Fitty Britty. she has a ton of T's in her Instagram <laughs> name, but you can probably find her. Um, she is also, um, she's more of an Instagram model than Iskra is. Iskra's, is like, a signed model. Yeah. Um, but, um, Brittany has sort of the same, um, she fills a kind of a similar category to Iskra of, like, a fit, but also larger body, taking right. up space, and, um... She has a lot of, like, workouts that she promotes and things like that, that um, it's nice to see someone who has a bigger body um, doing exercises and stuff because it's like, okay, I can totally do that too. Right. And I don't have to be this weight to, like, take a dance class. Or,
1: like, it's not just only for
0: becoming skinny mm-hmm. that we do exercise. Yeah. You know? She exercises because she loves it. Right. And she talks about that. She says, I'm not trying to lose weight. I exercise because I love moving my body. Which is motivational, like, for exactly. me. I'm like, that's awesome. Maybe
1: I can learn to do Exactly, <laughs> <something>. yeah. <laughs> Maybe I can find something I love that right. much, too. Exactly. Right.
0: <laughs> um, I guess we'll just do, like, Trust Your Body project. And yeah. And move
1: on a little bit. And then, like, the last, um, one of the other... Instagram accounts that we have listed on here is Trust Your Body Project, which is, fa- which was founded by a, um, a dietitian, which is important because that means that they have a degree in what they do and have some scientific and medical knowledge behind what they're talking about. Um, and it was founded to talk about um, intuitive eating, which is. Do you want to explain what intuitive
0: eating is? Yeah, intuitive eating is kind of a. Um, approach to breaking out of diet culture. Yeah. It's a way to retrain your body to choose, it's a way to retrain your body to choose what to eat based on your, the way you feel. Right. And not the way that you think. Right. What so. you should eat.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, there's a lot of, on that Instagram account, a lot of positive, um, like motivational quotes and check-ins and mental health check-ins and I like having that on there because sometimes we forget to do those things or talk about those things.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, So our second um, point on here is following people of all sizes. Um, Diversify the people that you see every day. When you incorporate fat bodies into your daily life, you are less likely to stereotype them. This is something I'm still working on doing. Yeah. I think that I still need to incorporate more fat people onto my into my life, into my social media feed. Um, right. I need to incorporate more trans bodies into my right. social media feed. It's easier to not fall into weight stigma if you quote unquote know someone that is fat. Right. Um, and it's actually shown that eat like Knowing someone can even apply to like a cele- a celebrity, right? Um, and so you can know people that way, and that way you can kind of break out of that like uh fat phobia, yeah. That we associating all fat with like negative things, right? Um, the third one is stop counting calories, macros, and throw out your skill, exercise because you want to, not because you feel guilty. And no food is good or bad. Right. I think we fall into that a lot, the good or bad food. Right. Mentality. It's like, all food is food. Your body is going to use it for energy. Energy. No matter what. No matter what it is. It really doesn't matter. And, um, you know, like we were talking about earlier, exercise, do things you love. Yeah. Don't do something because you feel like you have to because you ate something that you feel is, quote, bad. Right. And if you're stressed out, you're not going to enjoy it. If you don't have the time, but you're
1: forcing yourself to go, the only thing you're going to be thinking about while you're there is how much you have to do and how much you can't, like, you can't focus on enjoying it or even getting to a place of enjoyment because you're so stressed out. So, like, for me, I know I have to be not super busy, and this is, like, a student and working thing, but, like, I have to be in a place where I'm not stressed out about all the other things to go. Right. So that's okay, too.
0: Yeah. Admitting that it's too stressful. That's okay. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I had to do that yesterday. Yeah. I had to not go to the gym in the morning because I hadn't finished my work for the day. There you go. I got up, got dressed to go to the gym, was gonna go, and then I was like, I cannot put off my schoolwork to go to the gym. Yeah. So I went to the gym in the afternoon. Yeah. Because I got out of class early and I was like, you know what, I did want to go to the gym this morning. Right. Let me honor that. I'm going to honor that feeling. Also, I have time because I got out of school early. Right. My teacher let us out of class early. So I was able to use that extra time that I would have been sitting around or on my phone or whatever. whatever. Yeah. Um, to honor the feeling I had in the morning. Right. Which actually felt really good. I super enjoyed working out yesterday because it felt like part of a productive day for me. Right. Um. And so, yeah. And then another... our fourth is don't put rules on yourself you're only going to feel guilty if you break them they can cause us to go back to those unhealthy habits we've worked so hard to break
1: yeah i think like this is a big one that i have to force myself to follow because i feel good with rules and i feel good when i can operate within the boundaries of something that i've made put forth for myself um but then too far and too often um those rules become really super restrictive and when i break them it's like i have to compensate and then mm-hmm. i go back into unhealthy behaviors and i think like inherently putting restrictions on yourself it only makes you think about the restriction right so that can be really that can itself put you in a negative mindset right. towards what you're eating or what you're doing to work out or whatever so acknowledge that there are no rules yeah you know it's what you can manage
0: that's all that's the rule right exactly um right now I'm trying to get back into a workout routine because I know that it makes me feel good to work out so I at first put like rules on myself like I'm gonna start with two days a week then I'm gonna go up to three days a week then I'm gonna go up to four days a week and while I do like to work out most days of the week I'm still working on working up to that because those it's not easy when you're involved in a lot of things in yeah. college when you have work and school. And I personally am in a sorority, so I have that and that leadership, uh, like, obligations. Yeah. Um, so I have to think about that. And I've been doing good. Like, I've been putting it back in my schedule and feeling good. But I can't get down on myself when I am too tired to go to the gym in the morning. Exactly so I just have to like honor my body and honor my personal like it's not a problem to put a schedule for yourself don't beat yourself up when you don't right it's when
1: it's having goals is not the issue the issue is when it's not a goal anymore it's a it's a restriction it's
0: a law you know yeah it's like I have to do this don't punish yourself yeah exactly um, and the last one is comparison is a thief of happiness. If you want to change your body, you can, but don't do it with the intent of looking like blank. Um, do it with the intent of wanting to be stronger, wanting to have more energy, or honestly just if you don't feel good when you're eating something. Like for me, I went through a point in time where different types of oils really messed up my stomach. Right. So, like, eating french fries while it was nice in the moment, it wasn't fun later. Right. <laughs> so, things like that is, like, if, you know, bread doesn't make you feel that good, it's not a rule that you can't eat it. It's, like, I'm choosing not to eat this because it hurts me. Right. Like, the other
1: thing the other thing we were talking about earlier um, was that, you know, sometimes we make choices because of environmental issues, and so, like... For me, I chose to eat less red meat because I know that there's a lot of issues with the dairy and meat industry and the effects that it has on the environment and the climate. So I mm-hmm. wanted to kind of minimize my footprint in that way. Right. But that's not like tied into because I want to look like this specific person or this specific body type. Right. I'm not eating this. That's it, you know, that's a difference between those mm-hmm. decisions.
0: Which is important to highlight that yes, definitely you can make decisions to not do things. Yeah. Um, in that same vein, I am personally a vegetarian. I don't eat any meat, and the reason for that is because of the environment and because of the effect that the meat industry has on the environment. <laughs> right. um, not to be repetitive, but um, I think the first thing a lot of people ask me is like, "How much weight did you lose right. when you became a vegetarian?" I'm like. None. I didn't lose any weight because I didn't do it to lose weight. Right. I did it because I felt like this is what I needed to do and what I personally could contribute to a cause that I care a lot about. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, I think we have, like, really gone over the – we've really run home the exercise <laughs> point, but, yeah, like, you can want to make lifestyle changes – and not be fading into diet culture. Really, yeah. So yeah. Um, but I think that is all we have for you guys today. Um, thanks for tuning in yeah, to thanks the chat. For listening. Um, and we'll be back in two weeks talking about something else. So Ooh. tune in. We're excited to um put this out for you guys and um follow us on Instagram at Bits Pod. If you have any questions, any um requests, anything, you can email us at, um, ladybitsemail at gmail.com. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Julie would always laugh at that, um, particular line. So, um, yeah, let us know what you're thinking. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.